Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. to the 324th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. In Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And a quick fade across the Harpeth River from me here in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton. Hey, man, what's up? It's, uh, it's great to be here. Another week uh, as we approach Halloween. Man, I'm excited. Let's, let's rock and roll. Well, we can't get rock and roll without uh, the third amigo in the second city, uh, a man who may be having some technical issues tonight, but it doesn't even matter. Uh, it's our interpreted blogger from Big Ten Counting, Josh Cook. Well, you know, it was parent-teacher conferences, so I'm already running behind. And then, uh, hey, that's hey, me tomorrow, know, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, hey, my my computer decided not to have my camera connect. Nothing is working. Uh, I really got to stop going to Brian Ferris tech support. It's just not, it's not a good place to go. It's ranked 133rd out of 133 tech, tech support uh, lines nationwide. Okay. Uh, speaking of parent-teacher conferences midway through the semester, we're a little bit more than midway through the college football season. So today is going to be uh, sort of a reflection on the first half of the season, looking forward to the second half of the season. Uh, before we get into all of that, though, I want to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got it over there at BetOnline. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V. BetOnline, where the game starts. We will start. Uh, uh, with uh, usually we do one big takeaway from the weekend today. We're going to do one big takeaway from the first half of the season. Um, and I will go ahead and uh, jump in first. And I am still going to say that the Pac-12 and the sort of the swan song of the Pac-12 has been even better than we could have anticipated. Uh, Washington is one of the most exciting teams in the country. Oregon is just right there behind them. Uh, Colorado made obviously a lot of noise. They've struggled as of late, but uh, everything and all the hype that Deion Sanders has brought around that program has been good for the sport, if not just to add interesting discourse to the world of college football. Um, you know, USC, great offense, and then we see them imploding again here in the second half, Utah without Cam Rising. There's some awesome football be being played out west and it's a shame that this is the last season that we have a pack 8 10 12 whatever so it, it's been a you know an uplifting story in some ways but it's definitely uh very bittersweet so um coach i will toss it over to you what has sort of been one uh your one big takeaway from the first half of the season Ooh, just one I mean, you can have a couple. I don't care. You can okay. do what you want with your time. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, takeaway number one, USC is Charmin soft. Not, not that that surprised me, but it's, it is ranked true. Um, one big surprise is how good Louisville is, how good Duke is, and um, really just how fast Florida State became really, really good um, is a big takeaway there. Uh, Georgia – no surprise there. Uh, lose a lot of people from a back-to-back -back national championship run. 
a little bit of struggle, still undefeated, still number one. So how much struggle is it really? Not much. And then obviously the big takeaway right now is the story that's happening uh, with this whole Michigan stuff. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty crazy. So uh, th- those are those are some of the things that jumped out at me. I mean, there's uh, there's a lot more that we could probably get into, but I'm gonna stick with those. All right, Josh, what are we missing? Well, uh, you know, I wanted to dip our toes into to a couple smaller conferences. We like to give them some love here. So I, I want to talk about the Jacksonville State Gamecocks. They are five and one in conference, seven and two. Can't go bowling. James Madison, nationally ranked. I hate that. <laughs> nationally ranked. They're atop their conference standings. Can't go bowling. I, I mean, I it's just, it's absolutely stupid. Absolutely stupid. And then uh, Air Force, um, you know, Air Force, 19th in the country, 7-0. and um, they, they win out. They're probably going to be in one of those big, 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 huge bowl games as the group of five representative. It's, it's pretty crazy. Uh, we all thought Air Force was going to be pretty good this year, but um, I don't know if we, we had them uh, sniffing that auto bid here. Okay, so um, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I yeah. have a question. The auto yeah. bid goes to the highest ranked group of five team, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Bowl bids are done before the Army Navy game. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yes. thinking of the Army Navy and it's the Air Force. And I am thinking of the wrong branch of our military. So You're that game up. will not matter. You're all right. Although a fun side note about that game with, I don't know if you saw all the ins and outs of Army joining the American. But the league is letting Army-Navy remain a non-conference game at the end of the year. But get this. Hmm. If Army-Navy are in the title game for the conference, they will play back-to-back weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And, And knowing those academies, if you won the title game and then lost the official Army-Navy game, you've actually just ruined your season. But, uh, yeah, it was a weird arrangement. And then the other, my other takeaway, I, you know, I got to be close to home. I mean, come on. Two yards <clears throat> and a half a football. You know, the offense is worse than imaginable. Um, you know, I, I would like to say that Deacon Hill's the worst quarterback I've ever seen. And he may be, but he's playing about the same that Cade McNamara played before. It's a Brian Ferentz issue. It's Kirk Ferentz issue. The offense is repugnant. Yeah, it is a historically bad unit. Um, so I want to just kind of pep you guys with a couple more questions, uh, get your insights on a couple other sort of big storylines here uh, from the first half. And Corey, let's go to the SEC because Georgia's the only undefeated and Alabama lost that game to Texas. Um, and they've got their annual tilt with LSU coming up next Mm -hmm. week, but is there actually a team in the SEC that will be able to push Georgia or are they basically walking into the CFP? Well, uh, I mean, I think, you know, Alabama will always be able to challenge anybody as long as Nick Saban is there. I mean, they're not the same Alabama team they have been, but they're still 
really freaking good. Um, the toughest team on Georgia's schedule up until the SEC championship, uh, presuming that we get through unscathed, um, is Ole Miss. Uh, Ole Miss is a very sneaky good team. Like you don't really realize it. They're explosive and they can score quickly, which I, I think teams like that will give Georgia problems. Um, Tennessee's not as good as we thought, um, but that game's on the road in Knoxville. Knoxville is always a tougher place to play. And then Missouri, like they've all of a sudden became pretty good with Luther Burden. So it's it's a tricky four-game stretch. It's, it's not one that you're going to be like, wow, this is murderer's row. But it's also not one that you're like, this is super, super easy either. Um, it's just kind of tricky. Like Missouri should be a win. Florida should be a win. You know, Ole Miss should be a win. Tennessee should be a win. But will they be wins? Got to play the game because Georgia's not exactly setting the world on fire either. They are winning and they are doing what they're supposed to do with their schedule, but they just they just don't look quite as explosive as last year's team. All right, quick pop quiz here before I ask you guys another question about the first half. There is only one team remaining that has not won a game against any opponent, FBF, FCS, anyone. Who is that team? I'm going to sit out because uh, I was looking at the standings for every conference. So, Oh, it's okay. Well, you can ju- just blurt it out then. Sam Houston Bearcats. Sam Houston State's the Bearcats. Bearcats with a K. Um, so going uh, through here, though, uh, Josh, what else is – we haven't really touched on the Big 12 at all. Uh, the Oklahoma seems like – you know, right now they're atop the conference. They're the only undefeated team in conference, but it still feels a little bit tenuous despite the win against Texas um, in the Red River shootout. That game was uh, very close. Kudos to Oklahoma for winning, but then they nearly got run over by the Gus bus last week, which would have been really embarrassing for Dylan Gabriel to transfer to Oklahoma and then lose to UCF after leaving there. That didn't happen. They're still on top, but it feels a little bit shaky. We've seen all sorts of weird wins and losses from this conference. So Josh, sort of how do you feel about the big 12 at the moment? Ooh, well, it's really exciting because there's been some absolutely, you mentioned it, absurd outcomes. So you know, Oklahoma, they've already made it halfway through undefeated. They've already beaten Texas. Um, their remaining slate, none of those teams are ranked. Uh, their road trip to Kansas is probably their toughest game, but Kansas just has been dealing with injuries, uh, especially at quarterback where it's kind of been a revolving door. Um, they travel to Oklahoma State. Um, The Cowboys are kind of an interesting team. I'll talk about them in a moment. Um, And then they have West Virginia, who's come back to earth. They've they've been returning to Neil Brown football the last few weeks. Uh, At BYU, who is okay. They're 2-2 in conference, 5-2 overall. Um, Game is in altitude, but they should roll. And then they end with TCU, who's been um, just – kind of all over the map at four and four. So you feel pretty confident penciling Oklahoma and they should win out to go 12 and 0. But there's a brewing storyline of who exactly is going to join them. So 
Texas is obviously the logical answer. They're top 10. Um, But Ewers got hurt. They barely beat Houston. Um, So what is the health of this Texas team going forward? Do they finish it off? They have tough games at home against Kansas State. And weird to say this, but a tough trip to Ames. So let's talk about three really weird potential spoilers, starting with the least weird. The least weird is Kansas State, the defending champion, my team to repeat. They lost an inexplicable game in Stillwater where um, Will Howard basically decided that he had never actually played quarterback before and was awful. They bounced back, they beat Texas Tech, and then they just obliterated TCU. They're looking much stronger. They've kind of returned to form. Really, really good chance for Kansas State, especially if Ewers is out on the the 4th of November. Second spoiler in terms of least surprising, kind of the middle level, is Oklahoma State. Gundy's pretty much seen everything. They've won three in a row. They beat that good Kansas State team. They followed that up with a win against Kansas. They have Cincinnati, Bedlam, UCF, Houston, and BYU left. Um, They have to feel pretty good about those games minus the Oklahoma game. And then finally, the craziest spoiler of all, and I cannot believe I'm mentioning them, but the second-place Iowa State Cyclones. Who would have guessed that? Um, Their defense is playing their usual elite level. They're finally getting a little bit of offense. They beat TCU. They beat the snot out of Cincinnati. They've won three of their last four, including beating that Oklahoma State team. Um, What's weird about Iowa State is you look back, they lost to my terrible Hawkeyes, and then they lost at Ohio, and we were like, that's it. That's the death knell of this team. I think we overreacted to that Ohio game. Ohio is a good Mac team, but also we probably did not highlight the fact that basically every Cyclone had food poisoning and was throwing up on the sideline for the whole game. Yeah, that doesn't Um, help. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. Iowa State's remaining schedule is at Baylor, Kansas at BYU, Texas at Kansas State. Iowa State has the hardest schedule to play a spoiler. They're also the the, the most surprising to even be at this position seven games into the season. Um, but it's it's a race for who's going to join Oklahoma. I really like Kansas State's chances in that. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about one other thing here uh, quickly. You mentioned, Josh, um, just how inept Iowa's offense is. Yeah. And I think the entire Big Ten West has – is maybe the single most offensively inept conference like in the history of college football or a division, at least I should say. <laughs> it's it, it's horrendous. It's absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Um, you know, there are Wisconsin, which has 188 point total points, would be sixth in the Big Ten East in total points, and they're atop the division somehow. It, it's really <laughs> bad. It's really bad. But they don't control their own destiny. Iowa controls nope. their own. Iowa Jeez. controls their own destiny, which That's is crazy. Yeah. Um, Good times all around in the Big Ten. Well, well, here's a here's a fun game to play. <laughs> Would they win the Big Ten West? 
I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw. I'm going to throw some teams at you that are uh, atop some smaller conferences. Would 22 ranked Tulane with the Big Ten West? Yeah, they yes. have the best quarterback. All right. Yes. Would the eight no Liberty Flames with the Big Ten West? No, no. they wouldn't. All right. Oh yeah. Uh, two divisions, so two choices. Would either the Miami of Ohio Red Hawks or the Toledo Rockets win the Big Ten West? I wouldn't put it past either of them. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. How about those? How about those Falcons we talked about earlier? Air Force. Yes. Well, depending on the travel, depending on the travel. All right. And the fun belt, James Madison or Texas State? <laughs> mm, I don't th- I think that they're just a little bit too light uh, up front when it comes to that. But hey, man, listen, I believe kind of anything that James Madison could do at this point. So, well, um, well, James, well, James Madison beat Virginia. Mm-hmm. Who and beat Virginia just beat North Carolina, North Carolina. And North Carolina beat Minnesota, and Minnesota beat Iowa, and Iowa beat Wisconsin. So with the transitive property, which (laughs) James Madison is. We're getting deep into this. James Madison is the Big Ten leader for the West. Uh, Folks, you heard it here first. Only to get their sign stolen by Michigan. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Michigan's already scouting that out now. So to fit in the Big Ten East, though, do they have to steal signs and and, uh, do Hitler trivia? God. Okay, well, first of all, let me just give, like, the absurd context of the Michigan State thing. So if you are, like, just a fan in passing and maybe you you just kind of heard about the apology – the whole Michigan State thing it is up there with some of the stupidest thing I have ever heard. So for whatever reason, pre-game, when there's like 25 people in the crowd, we're talking like an hour before the game, they put on a YouTube video, <laughs> a trivia video. and That I Kristen, guarantee you they didn't. They didn't watch beforehand. Yeah. And, and Kristen was like, why were they playing? A, that's their. I was like, yeah, like Iowa just runs ads for like buy your field hockey tickets, buy your swimming tickets. Like it's all just like university centric. And then they're playing music over the speakers. It, I, it, it reminded me of like going to a movie theater and seeing the trivia at the screen. Like, <laughs> I don't know why, why Sparty did that. They already came out and they said they didn't watch the video. Um, and then on top of that, the creator of the YouTube video came out and said, Michigan State never asked for permission to use it or compensate it, which like, uh, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you could just randomly use someone's content to play in a stadium. Not in a public <laughs> setting. No, you need to get the rights for that. So like Michigan State just completely ridiculous they plagiarized if it, if it wasn't for their friends about 90 minutes away it would have been the stupidest scandal of the big Ten. well it, it's and it's not even the worst scandal at their own institution from the football program this fall 
Let's move it forward and look uh, to the second half of the season. Um, oh, I talked about this. I talked about the Pac-12 song, Swan Song, in the beginning, and it's still the thing that I'm most interested to see it play out in the second half of the season. It looks like Washington is the class of the conference, but you know you can make a case for a ton of different teams. Oregon could very likely win out. Uh, so could Utah. Um, those two play each other this week. And so that will be uh, one to keep an eye on. We'll talk about that here uh, in, in just a minute. But I mean, Oregon State's still sitting at only one loss. Um, you know, USC only has one in conference loss at the moment to Utah, who owns them. Um, and like uh, Coach said, they are uh, softer than Charmin Soft. Um, mm hmm. But it's still the most interesting conference title race that we have going down to the finish line because I mean, I'm going to be honest, like the way USC played these last two weeks, I, I don't see how they can win in Seattle. And I don't see how the or excuse me at, against Washington. I don't know how they can win at Outson. And the victory bell game against UCLA, like Bruins have a nasty defense and you, yep. USC has just shown the last two weeks that when teams challenge them defensively, they kind of don't really hold up. And, and Caleb Williams is playing himself out of the first overall pick. Yeah. I mean, he was, downright bad last week against Utah. Like, he was just bad. And I don't think, you know, one game should be a reason you don't draft him number one. Um, but I think it's actually a much larger product of Lincoln Riley and the apathy shown towards defense on that team, quite frankly, as well as what is clearly becoming a culture that is you know in a weird place they didn't allow uh their players to talk to the media after a loss for the first time in program history and lincoln riley has been antagonistic at best toward uh the local media if not you know downright hostile and it is, you know, with the continued issues they have on defense, uh, it's still flummoxing that Alex Grinch remains employed yeah. in South Central LA, coach. It, it is. Um, it, it's kind of like the Iowa thing. It's like Iowa's as good as offense as USC is as good as at defense. I mean, it's just it, like I <laughs> – I don't understand it. Um, like there was, there was a segment where he was like, yeah, we didn't see that on film, so we couldn't stop it. It was just like a simple, I think it was just a simple wheel route. He was like, yeah, they didn't show that on, on, on film. So we couldn't, you know, we just didn't have an answer for it. And that was his explanation. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they've never seen a wheel route in their lives. Yeah. I, I mean, no, like, I know. Like you're gonna, it's parsing words. And it's like, well, in in certain situation with that formation, whatever. But like, I don't know. A wheel right route. We we don't need to get caught up on the semantics. Yeah, no. I mean, I I think though that like, you know, going back to Caleb Williams. Yeah, it was one really bad game. But 
through seven games, his inner his touchdown ratio to interception ratio is nowhere close to what it was last year. Last year he had forty two touchdowns to five interceptions. He's got four picks already this year, twenty three touchdowns. He was sacked thirty times last year. He's been sacked twenty times this year already. So he's on pace for more interceptions and more sacks with you know not as many touchdowns what's happening with and, him is teams are coming after him and he just can't handle yeah. it yeah he, he's holding the ball way too long and just he's you freezing know, yeah and i mean we've seen it like you know this is what justin fields is facing with the bears and it's like if that's how he's going to play in college he cannot be on one of the first 10 picks in the NFL because those teams don't have offensive lines either. I think if the bears draft Caleb Williams, they're just drafting Justin Fields all over again. Yeah. And what they don't like about Justin Fields, they're not going to like with Caleb Williams because they're essentially the same quarterback. Except I think, I think Justin Fields is a better runner. I think Justin Fields is more dynamic than, and I think, you know, Justin, Justin Fields, at least, you know, being here in Chicago, like he says and does the right things. And he, he you know, by all accounts, he's working his tail off. I he, think, I know. think it goes beyond. I think the problems in yeah. Chicago, not to go illegal motion, uh, Chicago Bears podcast, yeah. but um, I, I think there's more issues at hand than just Justin Fields' yeah. ability. I, I, I don't think they're helping him out too much. No, but Caleb Williams, you know, none of us know him, none of us have talked to him, but just like, the way he carries himself on the sideline and what we do know about him, he just seems like a prima donna that's expecting everything to be handed to him. Yeah. And when you hear like reports of he wants ownership stake in a franchise that drafts, I'm like, come on now. Yeah. Come on now. That's just absurd. Like that's just plain absurd. Um, Okay. So Josh, what are you looking forward to for the remainder of the season? Oh, well, I, obviously I'm curious if Iowa can get up to 325 points. No, the- they can't. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a, the two conference races that are really, really intriguing to me, the ACC and the Pac-12 go in divisionless. So we're going to be given the best teams. Um, basically, Washington, USC, Oregon State, Oregon and Utah and UCLA, all six of them basically have like their own round robin left. Like, so there's going to be amazing Pac 12 games every week. And then in the ACC, we have Florida State clear of pretty much everybody at 5 and 0. Um, they have a pretty favorable slate left. They have just three conference games at Wake. Who is four and three on the season? That at won't be Pitt, tough. at Pitt, who's that's, two and five on the yeah, season. That's a that's a tricky game because Pitt, like as bad as Pitt has been, that's like a game they win. Of course, <laughs> it is. Um, that's what they did then, to Louisville. And then they host Miami, who is uh, well one and two in conference. What can you say? Uh, and then their final two games are non-conference. So. Um, 
it would be absolutely dumbfounding for Florida State not to end up the title game. But the race behind them is incredible. Louisville coach mentioned three and one. They were a dark horse that I talked about at the start of the season. They are living up to that. North Carolina's high flying offense. Yeah, they got tripped up last week, but they're still three and one on the season. Duke has lost two straight games, but remember that Notre Dame game, not a conference game. If Riley Leonard gets healthy, they are still very much in the thick of this thing. Um, I mean, that conference race is going to be awesome. And just we'd be remiss without mentioning it. Virginia Tech is surprisingly two and one. So they are technically in the thick of things, uh, although I don't think any of us see them staying there. But the ACC and Pac-12 races being divisionless are incredible to me. Yeah, they are. It's it's a really exciting ball uh of you know in, in not in not just these conferences but i think a lot of the group of five um ones as well i mean you, you mentioned Tulane earlier when we talked about who could win the big 10 west um you know the american still has three teams that are undefeated in conference uh, smu utsa as well as Tulane, and you know there's some some pretty good football being played again in the American, despite the loss of a couple of their marquee teams. I think that we're still seeing some relatively high quality football played there at the top of the conference. Um, you know, uh, SMU has, you know, has outscored their opponents by nearly a hundred points in conference games. Um, they're doing uh, fantastic. Uh, you've got, you know, every, we've talked about the Sun Belt ad nauseum here on this show, but it's as fun of a, conference race as there is as we're recording this we've got georgia state georgia southern going on sort of jockeying for a position uh to be second in the east behind james madison uh you know troy the preseason favorite has had some really really nice performances in conference but there are still two and one um texas state has been a fun story uh, in the early part of the year. So just, just a lot of, you know, really, really good football being played up and down the country. And it's just, it's, it's so much fun that every Saturday I feel sort of going forward after kind of this week, we're going to have a bunch of really big games and a bunch of marquee games in not just, you know, in the top 25, but I think for a lot of these different, uh, you know, uh, group of five conferences as well. So, yeah. And I, and I just want to, hammer the point home yet again the the ncaa has got to change this for james madison and jacksonville state it makes no sense whatsoever the point of the rule was you didn't want a team getting really good hopping up for a year with their seniors making all this extra money making a bowl game or whatever and then dropping back down these teams aren't going to do that. They have too much at stake in television revenue, and the NCAA is increasing the buyout. You're going to have to pay millions of dollars if you want to move back up. So it wouldn't make any sense for James Madison to be like, ha-ha, we won the Sun Belt. Now we're going back down to the FCS ranks. And then they get good again, and they go, oh, let's get some of that TV money and pay $5 million. Your rules already are keeping them in place. They ain't dropping down. Having a nationally ranked, amazing James Madison team not be able to be in their conference title game? 
They're already the best team in the conference. It's absolutely asinine. And while we're on asinine rules, let's talk about the punt return for Cooper DeGene. So, I mean, this whole thing is so stupid. When you read the rule book, an invalid fair catch side. I get it. He did wave his hand. What I don't understand is the officials didn't blow the play dead. They let it play out, and then they reviewed it. They told the Iowa coaching staff, we're reviewing to see if he was on the sideline. And then the official in the booth goes, oh, I think they missed this call. If Yes, they followed the correct rules as written. However, it opens up a potential can of worms on, oh, we reviewed it. The refs missed a holding. Let's call. So if you're telling the coaching staff we're reviewing something and then you change it in the booth and it's not communicated, that's wrong. If it was so obvious, the ref whose sole job is to watch the returner, if he didn't blow it dead, then clearly something was not obvious at the time. The fact that no Iowa player and no Minnesota player stopped trying. So there's the spirit of the rule and then the letter of the rule. And in this case, they follow the letter of the rule. But the whole point of that. Even that was a stretch. Exactly. But the whole point of it is to prevent chicanery by the return team and to protect the punt returner. It was a crap punt, nowhere near Coop, that bounced. He was not going to get blown up on the play. And no Minnesota player thought he called fair catch. It was completely asinine for them to do this. And I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to very briefly uh, give a crazy conspiracy theory for you guys. And then I'm going to give a, a better answer for you. Crazy conspiracy theory. It led Iowa to cover the spread. <laughs> Who's the replay official? Did he have a bet in the game? <laughs> like, we don't know. His name wasn't released. All right. Here's check, check his fan duel. Yeah. That's just silly. I'm not going to be that uh, conspiracy theorist. Here's the real answer, though. The referee who was leading the crew is Tim O'Day. Tim O'Day is famous for being suspended multiple games for not knowing the rule book, including costing Oklahoma State a win. Do you remember this one, you guys? Oklahoma State wants to run out the clock. They have their quarterback, Rudolph, get a snap, and then he intentionally grounded it to run out the, pl- run out the game. He did that on fourth down. Wait, wait. Intentionally grounded? Yeah. He he threw the ball way out of bounds. Mm-hmm. He, got, he gets the snap. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yep. And throws it, like, to the top of the stadium. Yep, yep. While he does that, the clock burned out. Gotcha. Tim O'Day rules it was a penalty. It was intentional grounding because no one was – near where the ball was thrown and he was still in the tackle box. So he ruled it was intentional grounding on fourth down that comes with a loss of down and a change of possession. You can't have a game 
and on a penalty. So he gave Central Michigan an untimed down. Yep. Central Michigan yep. wins on a Hail Mary. Except doofus Tim O'Day, who is one of the stupidest humans to officiate the game, didn't know that you can't do an untimed down in that position. A loss of down penalty, which is what intentional grounding is, cannot result in an untimed down to end a game or a half. So he's already had a track record. Last year, against Minnesota in the very same game, he had a blown call on an Iowa interception that was also universally panned. But no one paid as much attention because Iowa ended up winning the game, and it didn't impact the end result. This guy has a track record of being among the worst officials in the entire country. And wow. it makes no sense that he is employed. Shows you where shows you where we are with refs. <laughs> yeah, it's not the uh, not the most desirable job out there these days, I suppose. All right, we'll finish it up with one for the road, like we usually <laughs> yeah, do. do. One it. thing we're looking for this weekend. I mentioned it earlier. Uh, what am I looking forward to? It's Oregon at Utah. Utah coming off of that big win uh, over. USC, they announced this week, Cam Rising will not be back at all this year. Nor they don't need will, him. They got a pig farmer. Yep, they got a pig. They got a walk-on pig farmer. Also, nor will uh, Brent Cuthy, uh, the tight end. Oregon, um, you know, basically this is a th- this is an elimination game to make the title uh, because of you know Oregon's already lost to Washington. Um, Utah already has uh, their uh, their one loss. Um, their their single conference loss, I should say, and I guess their their single overall loss um, on the season when they lost um, up at uh, Oregon State, uh, an Oregon State team who was also in the mix. But this weekend, Oregon and Utah are, I think, the marquee matchup in the entire country. The standings would also rate that out. You know, I, I know that it uh you know utah stadium is known as the loudest stadium in the country them them in washington and i think that there's a chance this weekend that this is you know they they set a record for a uh, number of decimals uh achieved in in one crowd so it's going to be an awesome game i'm definitely going to be logged yeah. into that as well obviously as wisconsin versus ohio state under the lights at camp randall stadium uh, that should be uh, that. That should be a lot of fun for everyone, um, everyone involved. So, um, especially the the Michigan fans who are scouting it. Oh yeah, who are scouting <laughs> o- Ohio State. <laughs> Maybe they actually at least use like a different name and some some burner phones this time. We'll see. Nah, why would they do that? Uh, all right. Well, my, mine for the road. You know, I'm all fired up. I'm you know I'm ticked off about. My computer not working. I'm ticked off about Iowa being incompetent and nepotism. So I, I don't. I can't just do one for a road. I, I need like a quick six pack. So I'm going to down a six pack here real quick. We got the Duke Louisville game. They're both nationally ranked. Uh, whoever wins that game is in great position for that chasing Florida State to get to the title game. There's one. Next part of the six pack. Two lane. Traveling down to Rice. Rice is four and three, two and one on the year, but JT Daniels is still healthy and still the starter. Uh, so seeing that two lane defense against JT Daniels, who's putting in 
a really nice season for the Owls. I will be checking that one out. Down in Coach's Neck of the Woods, they're in the big old grocery bag of Kroger Stadium. We got Kentucky hosting Tennessee. Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming this is uh, a rivalry of sorts. Uh, what what do they call this one? The, the fifth Saturday in uh, December? Is that this game? Uh, I am intrigued about that one. It's the Whiskey Bowl. <laughs> the Whiskey Bowl. There we go. I like that. My darlings, my beautiful darlings, Oklahoma, Oregon State. I don't know why I said Oklahoma State. Oregon State. They travel to the spooky desert. Arizona is four and three on the season. I'm intrigued about that one. My fifth part of this six pack. Fresno, six and one, hosting, surprising, six and one, UNLV. The Rebs are undefeated. In Mountain West play. I'm intrigued by that. And then the last part of my six pack that I already opened back on Tuesday, New Mexico State. They won their sixth game. Are they bull eligible? No, because they have Hawaii on their schedule and they had a bunch of FCS games. So they need to get to seven <laughs> um, because they're playing an extra long schedule by playing Hawaii. And then, like I said, they had a few FCS teams. So one more. For New Mexico State, we're going to get them bull eligible because they're going to beat Middle Tennessee State on November 4th. Let's do it. That's my six-pack. All right. Uh, you might want to bring that six-pack to uh, where I bet Coach is spending his uh, one for the road. That would be the world's <laughs> largest outdoor cocktail party. Yes. Um, I, I went to the gas station and, and just grabbed a 40. So uh, <laughs> I just grabbed a single 40. Now, this is uh, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. It's always a fun one for me because uh, – I think that's not the PC term anymore. I think it's uh, screw something that. else. <laughs> Cancel me. Um, so I – so to com- to give you guys a little bit of context, the way y'all seem to hate Minnesota, I hate Florida with that same. Hmm. So and, is it because you really hate the two bits cheer? Yes. <laughs> is it because they can, their only cheer is that they can spell their state name correctly? Yes. No. Okay. They do this. They have some like physical defect that makes them do this. Um, <laughs> makes them do the chomp. Uh, just their general existence as a football program. I mean, uh, yes. Is this, is this year's game going to be good? Is it going to be a good game? I hope not. <laughs> I hope it's a blowout <laughs> of entered proportions. I always hope for that. How do you feel about uh, facing? <laughs> Going off against, I believe he's the SEC's leading passer, Graham Mertz. Oh, geez. <laughs> Coach, I just sad thought of, state of affairs for SEC quarterback play, I guess. Coach, I just thought of something brilliant. What? Georgia needs to start doing this. It's a way to troll two Florida teams for the price of one. Oh. Can Georgia fans do the Gator Chomp? And while they're doing the Gator Chomp, do the Florida State Tom Hawk chant? <laughs> so kind of like like this yes <laughs> so then they're mocking both teams <laughs> i mean we could give it a shot <laughs> i don't know that florida state's gonna be too offended by that but <laughs> we'll give it we'll give it a go <laughs> how about that florida state might be a little offended like you're stealing their cheer 
you'd be a little offended if Iowa fans started going, who sick him oh, 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 on every Tory Taylor punt. <laughs> I might be the most exciting thing in the stadium, so I wouldn't blame him. <laughs> I mean, it usually is. Astute listeners will notice I didn't say Iowa kickoffs. <laughs> no, those are ugly. <laughs> That's only once a game. Um, hot off the press as this game just ended, uh, a Dino Babers hot seat special. Oh boy. <laughs> they lost at Virginia Tech. Uh oh. By four touchdowns. Oh geez. Double uh oh. They they started the year four and oh. Yep. Dino. Now they're four and four with four straight conference losses. How are you gonna do that, Dino? All of them by 17 or more. That seems problematic. That seems like very problematic, Dino. actually. What are you doing, Dino? I'm uh, not scoring a lot of points against Virginia Tech, apparently, or giving up, and giving up a lot as well. Dino's going to be the next offensive coordinator at Alabama. <laughs> What's crazy is their remaining schedules, Boston College, Pitt, Georgia Tech, and Wake, they could end up 8-4. and four. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. You're, you're not wrong. You're not incorrect. Well, you're not wrong is also probably a good place for us to end this episode here tonight. Uh, we thank you all for tuning in wherever you are uh, right now um, to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. So on behalf of our own offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger from Big Ten Accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois. I'm Matt Perkins in the Music City saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.